You're listening to the Section 5 Podcast. Welcome back to the Section 5 Podcast, Mount Rushmore Edition. We're here for Episode 3 of our Mount Rushmore series. This time we are wrapping up the Western Conference with the Pacific Division. If you missed any of the other divisions in the Western Conference, you can go ahead and dive into our archives and check those out. Those are available now for you to check out. Uh, And then uh, after this one wraps up, we'll be diving into the Eastern Conference going division by division uh, through that conference, uh, same as we did here in the West. So you've probably listened to the other ones. If you're listening to this, you, you had the other two in front of you, so I'm not going to go crazy with the, the rules. Just going to say it's players only. So like coaching and executive experience and all of that stuff, uh, we didn't bring into account. And it's only for the time that the players have played on that particular team that qualifies, obviously. So we're going to jump right into it. I'm here with the uh, same folks who... Uh, we're on the other two Mount Rushmore podcasts, Adam and Trey. Yo, yo. And we are going to go in alphabetical order as we've been doing with one exception. We're going to do the Lakers last. That's <laughs> going to be kind of the main event of the West. They're the Celtics rival. We're a Celtics show, so we figure we'll give them the most time. And they're the Lakers. They're pretty historic. They're pretty loaded. They're no Celtics, but they're, there's a lot to talk about there. So we're going to save that for last. We'll skip over them and then double back to them. So... We're going to start with the Golden State Warriors uh, or the Philadelphia Warriors. That does count too. We're going with the entire history of the franchise. And for the Warriors, we had some consensus, uh, but then uh, also had a, a couple of, uh, of players who were unique to, uh, to us or changed a little bit. Steph Curry and Wilt Chamberlain were the two unanimous choices. When you look at Wilt's numbers, they're just absolutely astronomical. And his biggest numbers were with the Warriors. And then there's Steph Curry, who is one of the pre- premier, if not the premier player in the NBA right now. Um, you know, it's, it's him, LeBron, it's KD. And from there, we went into a, a couple of different routes. There are some Hall of Famers there. There are some current players. Uh, there are some players from, well, you know, a, a couple of uh, decades before. So... I'm going to start by throwing it over to you, Trey. You had your four Golden State, Curry, Chamberlain, and a couple others. Uh, So who did you go with and uh, and how did you get to your decisions? So pretty much Steph Curry, he's the face of the Warriors since the We Believe Warriors. He's brought them championships. So we all know he deserves to be on the list. Then after him, I went with Wilt Chamberlain. He led the league in scoring a bunch of times. He had ridiculous scoring season. Um, right. Yeah. And his, he was a six time scoring champ. And he was at 42 points per game for his entire career in, not Golden State. It was in Philadelphia, but his entire career with the Warriors. And he also averaged 25 rebounds a game. So just absolutely ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And then so third, I went with Rick Barry. Yeah. And, uh, and Rick Barry is a, uh, a player who, is synonymous with really earlier NBA, not quite that early NBA, but he was an eight-time All-Star in eight seasons with the Warriors. 
Uh, he was six-time All-NBA. And he's a 90% career free throw shooter. Won a championship, won a finals MVP. He's third in points per game behind Wilt and Durant. Uh, and he actually had two different stints with the Warriors. He jumped ship over to the ABA uh, due to a contract dispute and uh, had to uh, sit out a season before starting with the ABA. So he actually missed a season immediately after winning a scoring title, uh, which is uh, pretty interesting, but not totally unique to Warriors history, oddly enough, which uh, will come up again in a minute. But he's one who I had on my list as well. I thought uh, you know had to be there, but was someone who we didn't all have. And Trey, who was your fourth? So... My fourth was Chris Mullen. Adam's boy, Hall of Famer, Chris Mullen. So was Harold Baines. <laughs> he was in Golden State for quite a while. He averaged 25 or 26 for about five seasons in Golden State. He's up there in scoring. He's up there in games played. So right now, I think just logically, he kind of like can have that spot. But pretty sure in no time, Clay Thompson's going to be taking that spot. Yeah, Clay Thompson can jump up there for sure. And Mullen, uh, he was a five-time All-Star, five consecutive All-Star games uh, with Golden State. Uh, he was really like the staple on those Warriors from you know, the 80s into you know, the early 90s uh, on some of those you know, really exciting high-powered teams with uh, you know, Mitch Richmond and, uh, and Tim Hardaway and then Going into a little later when uh, when Chris Webber came on, uh, he was still there for a little bit uh, before moving on to Indiana. So he's a guy who I didn't pick, but he is someone who I considered picking. I already mentioned that my third was Rick Barry. Uh, so we already went through that. The other one that I picked is uh, another Hall of Famer, old school guy, Paul Arizon. Uh, he was one of the top 50 players when they named them in 96, uh, which was uh, an interesting little thing and you know, something that maybe we should take some, some time and look back on because I think that, that'd be fun to, uh, to talk about and see how many of those hold up. But he played 10 seasons, was a 10-time All-Star, two-time scoring champ, one-time champion. He was one of the first real superstars in the NBA, uh, one of the first great NBA players you know, playing back in the, in the 50s. He actually missed two seasons in his prime uh, because he served in the Korean War. He was uh, you know, 24 and 25 years old. He lost those seasons completely. He won a scoring title and then went to Korea and then came back. And in his third year back, he actually won a scoring title again. So he was one of the stars of the league at that time. And he uh, also was just a staple with the Philadelphia Warriors. He actually chose to retire uh, instead of moving with the team from, uh, from Philly to San Francisco. And when he retired, he actually had the highest points per game in league history of any player in their final season, uh, which was eventually broken. And uh, I saw who it was, and I can't remember who, who did it, but it, was, it stood until, until the 70s. Um, and, uh, and then that uh, obviously went by the wayside. Adam, who did you have to round out your Warriors picks? So as kind of been the custom with my picks throughout this whole um, Mount Rushmore process. You picked Celtics, didn't you? No, I did not. No, these guys haven't played for the Celtics yet. Yet. One hasn't. I like your optimism. Yeah. Um, so I picked Baron Davis and Clay Thompson as my last two picks for Golden State after Stephen, you know, obviously Stephen Will Chamberlain. But, um, you know, I, I put Davis in there because, you know, he didn't really have too much longevity there. Only four years. During his time, he led, he led the league in steals one year when he was there. 
He put up 20 points a game, eight assists, four rebounds for those um, teams with Don Nelson as their coach. Uh-huh. Um, and, of course, it was the We Believe, the original We Believe Warriors. Right. You know, when they had him, Steven Jackson, Al Harrington, you know, Matt Barnes. You know, that was an exciting team to watch. They were exciting. Yeah. And then they were, when they were going to get beat, they turned it into a bar fight. Yeah. Which they did, well, they did against Utah. And uh, yeah. someone hip-tossed Karolenko at center. At center court. I can't remember who, which one of them it was. but Yeah, I mean, the energy that that team brought, and he was the leader of that team, he made it seem like the Warriors were actually, you know, exciting. They were an exciting team to watch. People wanted to watch. Oh, for sure. Um, and that dunk on AK-47 kind of brought, that could have brought the roof off of that building um, after he did that. And, yeah, you know. It, Ten years later, you say Baron Davis, Andre Karolinko, and everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Yep. And Utah won that series. But right, yeah, that's the series there. when when they went crazy in the last game. I think they were down like twenty points, and they just started yeah. beating people's asses, which was yeah. bush league, but entertaining. Hey. Yeah, um, and so you know, my my last one was Clay Thompson. Eight seasons there, five team, five time All Star, two time All NBA, three time champ, and I put him there, you know, because you know Mullen's a Hall of Famer, Chris Rick Barry's a Hall of Famer, Paula Paula Risen's a Hall of Famer, but. Clay just had, he's had some franchise-defining moments for the Warriors. One specifically was that game six against OKC when they were coming back from that deficit against them, even though, you know, they obviously lost in the finals. But he had 41 points that game. He had 11 right. threes. Like, without that performance, there, were, there wasn't going to be any game seven. It would have been OKC in the finals against Cleveland. And I just... That changes I, everything. If that, changed, that, that changed everything. And because of that... KD comes there, right. they win two chips. Like, you right. know, I think so. I, I put Clay Thompson on there as as my fourth. Well, he's probably third for the Warriors. Yeah, I, I, I would say I would definitely have him over Davis. Yeah, um, I am. I'm not sure. I wanted to put him on there, mm-hmm. and you just kind of rehashing everything that we already knew about him that we all saw about him. Mm-hmm. It, Push me to want to put him on a little more. I don't know if I can take any of my guys off for him yet, just because mm-hmm. it's three Hall of Famers and Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's not there yet, but he has that level of play that will get him there if when he comes back from the injury, he mm-hmm. has three more years like he did. He might be, I might have to make a decision. Do I want to bump off Arizona Barry for? Yeah you know, for Clay Thompson. And uh, I think if I had to do that, I would probably bump off Barry mm-hmm. because he had success in other places as well. Uh, it wasn't his entire career that was with the Warriors, uh, whereas Arizon was, he was the Warriors before Wilt got there. Yeah. Right. All right. So from a successful franchise, a fun franchise, uh, one that has a lot of players to talk about to the LA Clippers. <laughs> um, so, the LA Clippers are kind of a mess, always have been. They had a few spurts of mediocrity. Uh, they look like they're pretty damn good now, but the players who are on the team now aren't going to qualify because they've been on the team for one year, or at least they're, they're studs that they have, mainly PG and, uh, and Kawhi Leonard. But there's a couple of players that we could pick from and a couple that I, we wanted to put on there but really couldn't because we looked at them and were like, oh, he was, just a, he was just good for the Clippers. He wasn't actually good. Uh, but 
Trey, or actually, before I go, uh, go to you, Trey, theirs is kind of a mess. So I'm going to just give the unanimous choices. We actually had two. Uh, we had Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Trey, what did you have for your Clippers? So I think we all had Elton Brand as well. Yeah, you had a note on there that I actually wanted to clarify for me. You had Elton Brand slash DJ. So it looks like maybe you had Elton Brand edging out DeAndre Jordan. Is that what that means? It says Elton Brand, then it's the oversign. DJ. Okay. Okay. So you, so you got him like just edging him out? Yes. Okay. Got it. Uh, all right, yeah. So, so we're three out of four then on uh, on that one. So, you had that note there. So it sounded like you maybe had Elton Brand at the bottom of your list, and he was kind of close. What made it close, and what gave him the edge over uh, DeAndre? He's more of a scorer, and he averaged twenty a game with the Clippers. And then he's second behind DeAndre Jordan in rebounds. Right. It's a lot less rebounds, but he is second on the Clippers list all time in rebounds. Yeah, and uh, a team that's been around for, you know, they're not, they haven't been successful, but they've, they've been around for a long time. So let's say a little bit about, uh, about Elton Brand. And he bounced around the league a little bit uh, after he uh, left the Clippers. Uh, I actually was with Chicago before that, so he bounced around before that too. But he spent seven seasons with the Clippers. He played for them more than he played for anybody else. He also played for the Hawks, which is one of the more shocking moments I've ever had when I was at an NBA game, when I heard now checking in Elton Brand. And I was like, wait what he's he still works here so that was uh that was interesting but elton brand was really the staple of that team for the early 2000s he was a two-time all-star so that was you know saying a lot for for a clipper uh because back then the clippers just weren't any good at all i really wanted to put loy vaught on here because when i think crappy 90s clippers like i think of loy vaught and uh I looked at him and, and thought like, oh, yeah, he was an adequate player on a bad team. And then I looked at his numbers for this and it was like, wow, he was just really – he really was just plain adequate. So uh, so sorry, Lloyd, you, you didn't make the cut. You had the same as, as us, but what, uh, what made you kind of come to the decision to, to have those other guys on there? I also chose Bob McAdoo mm-hmm. just because of his playoff performance. Sure. He averaged 32 there, 32 a game. Yeah, and uh, and I had McAdoo too, and he was uh, an interesting one because he is he's an NBA. He's really like he's like basketball royalty more so than just necessarily the Clippers. But he had his best years with the with the Clippers, or actually, it wasn't even the Clippers at that point. They were in Buffalo still. He was with them for five seasons, and then he bounced around more than most Hall of Famers do. But in his time with uh, with Buffalo, he averaged twenty eight point two points per game. He was a he he went from Buffalo to New York in the middle of uh, of his fifth season, played twenty games and was an All Star that year. So I'm counting that as a uh, as a Buffalo slash Clippers All Star. But five seasons, four time All Star, All NBA two times, and it was the only two of his career. He was a three time scoring champ. He won the MVP in seventy five. And then he had a successful career in Europe after his NBA career ended and uh, went on to be an assistant with the Heat for damn near 20 years. So he's a guy who was just NBA, you know, he's, he's an NBA Hall of Famer through and through and had really the start of that with the Clippers. Adam, what, what did you go with for the Clippers? So I went with um, you guys for three of them, you know, Brand, Griffin, and Chris Paul. You know, I was actually looking at Brand's numbers and in addition to the numbers that you mentioned, 
while they were perennial losers for the majority of his time there, they actually won a playoff series with him there. And they took the 06 Suns to seven in the second round. So that was kind of the epitome of success that the Clippers had, you know, while he was there, which they hadn't had in at least our recent memory um, before. So I thought, you know, he was a no-brainer to be on this list. And, you know, Blake Griffin as the number one pick, he came in there with a lot of hype. And, and he lived know, up to it for the most he part. Lived, yeah, fourth, full-time All-NBA, five-time All-Star. You know, they never really got over that that last hump in the playoffs for whatever reason, whether it would be injuries or, you know, just, you know, bad play down the stretch. But, you know, Blake Griffin was definitely meant for this. My third guy on the Clippers is I have to go with Chris Paul. Once he got to L.A. after the, you know, the Knicks trade to the Lakers, Chris Paul just changed the, the culture there. Like, they automatically became a contender um, with him there. Um, you know, he only played six seasons there, but five All-Stars, five-time All-NBA, two-time assist champ, three-time steal champ, um, five-time All-Defensive, averaged a double-double over his time there. Like, he was a superstar in his prime playing for the Clippers, and that's probably – that's – he spent the least time out of those other two guys that we already mentioned and Brandon Griffin, but he definitely made the biggest impact on their franchise with him being there. Just a solid future Hall of Famer. Yeah. And, you know, my fourth – what are you – sorry. No, I want to say he was – Paul was at his peak when he was there too. He had peak time in, in New Orleans as well, but yeah. like Chris Paul in his prime played for the Clippers for a large chunk of it, if not all of it. Yeah. Um, so – he was, uh, I, I thought, a, a no-brainer. And uh, I, I, I didn't really rank the, the three uh, that we had unanimously because I thought that they were all pretty much easy choices. But, uh, you know, Chris Paul might be, you know, might be tops for me. Mm, yeah. And so my fourth one, again, I kind of went modern as opposed to the, histor- the historic pick as, you know, obviously Bob McAdoo is a Hall of Fame player, like, He's, he was a great Clipper, you know, don't get me wrong. But when I think of Clippers, you know, I think of a current player, Lou Williams. And he's, it's crazy. He's only been there three seasons. Yeah. Two times sixth man, 21 points a game, five assists a game, predominantly off the bench. Um, I just think that, especially with his play over the last couple of years with them, just when I think Clippers, I think Lou Williams. I don't think – Bob McAdoo in his Braves uniform or in his, you know, Clippers uniform after that. Um, right. And I think that would, gives just, you more of a pass for taking Lou Williams with his three seasons over, you know, a Hall of Famer like McAdoo. Yeah. Is because, yes, McAdoo was in the franchise lineage, but McAdoo wasn't a Clipper. Yeah. So I think it's fair. I'm, we're using the whole franchise history, so so I went with McAdoo, but I can, I can see the mindset when we're thinking, like, these are the Clippers and you know, picking a guy who's not who didn't wear the Clippers uniform. Yeah, I got and, that. And you know, there were a couple of guys that you know had honorable mention that I wanted to put instead of Lou Williams. Like you know, I'm thinking Lamar Odom, um, DeAndre Jordan, with Trey had you know, right. Elton Brand barely beating him. You know, guys like that. It's just you know, JJ Redick. Even you know, he had a couple. He had a pretty good you know run over there. But it's just the the lack of talent that was in that franchise before yeah. the last couple of years just makes it, you know, it makes it hard to find quality players. Yeah. I feel like because Lou Williams is part of this whole new Clippers era, mm-hmm. Kawhi and Paul George, like depending on how that plays out, 
he has a bigger case for a Mount Rushmore spot. Yeah. Depending on how that plays out and how long those other two guys are there. Mm -hmm. Because they can be out of there in a couple of years. Lou can still be there. He can contribute to a championship and he can be there after they leave and maybe be one of their best players when they're in a transition period. And then that makes him a really legitimate pick among really good players and not just a fourth by kind of default because he's done some really good things recently. Like the Lakers and the Rockets had Lou Williams. Yeah. See, I almost put Kawhi in that fourth spot for the Clippers. <laughs> for what, 40 games? Hey. You are, are you load managing your spots now? He's been great. Sure, he's he's been great. And, uh, you know, he's, <laughs> you need a little bit of longevity. Yeah, three years. Is you know, our, our, our boy G chimed in on the uh, on the New Orleans one. He's like, I might put Zion on now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for game 20 before I do that. But. <laughs> But uh, shout out to G. Uh, he'll be back soon. So moving from the Clippers to someone who, or to a franchise that's a, you know, a little bit more interesting, the Phoenix Suns. So we had three unanimous for the Suns as well. So we're, we're agreeing on a lot of these. So this is making this show nice and easy. Uh, but we all had Barkley, Nash, and Kevin Johnson. And then we each had a different third. So... Adam, you haven't let off yet, so I'm going to throw it to you for, for the Suns. Give me your, your thoughts on the Suns. So to me, the Suns are actually one of the easiest to me to pick. You know, you had Sir Charles, Sir Charles with the number one spot. Um, four, he only played four. It was surprising to me that he only played four seasons there. but That surprised but, me when I saw it too. But he had a significant impact on that franchise. In those four seasons, he was a four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA. He made the finals lost to MJ, obviously, and in that year, he was MVP. 23 points, 12 rebounds a game during his four years there. So, Sir Charles was just a superstar, and again, it was kind of like the Chris Paul scenario, where he's just a superstar in his prime. You know, he probably had one or two years of his prime in Philly, but after that, you know, he was in Phoenix. Yeah, um, he, he might have had a little more than that in, in Philly, because he, he was great pretty much right away. Yeah. But when I think Charles Barkley, I think of the Suns, and I specifically think of that um, that black alternate Suns uni mm. uh, for Charles mm-hmm. Barkley. And uh, like, I don't think of him as a sixer. I sure as hell don't think of him as a rocket. He's a son in my mind, even if he did play longer with the Sixers. Yeah. So after that, I got Steve Nash. Steve Nash was drafted by them, traded to Dallas, and then came back to Phoenix as a free agent. And his time back, he was just, you know, two-time MVP, back-to-back MVP at that, six-time All-Star, seven-time All-NBA in his 10 seasons there, five-time assist leader. He was, he's one of the greatest point guards in NBA history during his time there. You know, never again got to the got to the finals with them, but they definitely had contender written all over them during the majority of time Steve Nash was there. Obviously a franchise-altering player again for them. Right. My third guy that I shared with all you guys is, you know, Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson was kind of looking at his numbers was probably the weirdest thing I've ever seen. 12 seasons as a, as a son, three-time all-star, but he was a five-time all-NBA, which is, that's, to me, it's like if you're making all-pro in football, and but you're not making the Pro Bowl. Right. It's crazy because <laughs> you, you have three all-NBA teams, right? Mm-hmm. And so that means there's 15 players who make all-NBA. Mm-hmm. there's 24 all-stars. So yeah. in theory, it's easier to make the all-star game. Yeah. And, and 
okay, it could happen once if someone goes on an absolute tear the second half and was was a borderline all-star guy at the start of the season and then went nuts in the second half and it gave him a bump over a couple of guys and he sl- you know snuck into a third team all-NBA all or second team all-NBA. But yeah. for that to happen twice to a guy who was one of the better known players in the ni- uh, in the 90s uh, yeah. across the league like everybody knew who Kevin Johnson was he he wasn't you know your Charles Barkley your Sean Kemp or, or anything like that but Kevin Johnson was a star mm-hmm. and I mean the to me the the most defining moment that I remember even more than Barkley as a son was when Kevin Johnson went up and just you know dunked all over Hakeem Olajuwon in the playoffs that to me was one of the moments that stood out for me in watching basketball in my life was that dunk and to me no one else like there hasn't been too many guys that have been sons that made a that made an impact at least right. on me as a Phoenix son than Kevin Johnson. Yeah, and um, my fourth guy was was Amari Stoudemire. Eight seasons, five time All Star, four time All NBA, Rookie of the Year, twenty one and nine during his time there. And he was just he wasn't really a product of of Nash either. He was an amazing athlete, and he had you know his finishing ability near the hoop was just, you know, at an elite level during his time with Phoenix. And as he got older there, you know, more of his – you started to see a really – a very skilled offensive player. Yeah, he he was raw as hell when he first came into the league. And he yeah. – when he left there, he was polished. Yeah. And, I mean, his, his career ended after, you know, his – he had one really good season with the Knicks, and then he got hurt in the playoffs against the Celtics. But before that, he was on the rise. He could have been a Hall of Famer. Right. Yeah. He's there. There are guys like that in every generation. And a lot of them are big men where they're four or five time all-stars and then suddenly something happens and they either can't play anymore or they can't play at that level. And they kind of, instead of going to the hall of fame and, and having that trajectory, they just kind of fizzle out and, and, and disappear. And yes. I'm sure we're going to have a few more of those guys as we go through you know the rest of our Mount Rushmore series. Yeah, so Amari was definitely, uh, you know, there were a couple other guys that you guys had a couple of guys that you, uh, you, that you will discuss when you yeah. guys share your picks that, I, you know, I considered as well. But to me, you know, I, I put Amari up there as, as the fourth guy for Phoenix. Yeah, I, I can't say you're wrong. And uh, I had a tough time with this last pick. The first three were easy, like you said. The three guys that, that we have, that we, each of us have for our fourth pick, are all guys I considered. And uh, I actually leaned more towards trays and it's, there's probably a bias there because he's one of my favorite players. But the one that I went with was uh, Walter Davis. So mm-hmm. a little bit older, the nickname of one of many nicknames he had, but the man with the velvet touch, which is just a phenomenal nickname, 11 seasons, six time all-star franchises, all-time leading scorer. And he averaged 20.5 points per game over his timing in Phoenix. He was in Phoenix until he was 33. And then you see his career numbers kind of come down as he became more of a uh, a role player. He had a, a you know a scandal. Uh, you know there was a drug scandal when he left the Suns. He wasn't resigned. They didn't really push to resign him. So there's you know a little bit of a, a taint to his time there. But uh, he was you know their top player, and he was a, a bona fide star when he was on that team in the 70s and uh, and into the 80s. Uh, so he kind of edged it out. But the newer guys, uh, Amari and uh, and Trey's guy. Uh, were guys that I considered. Trey, who was your fourth guy? I took Sean Marion just because he just had an overall impact like across the board. Blocks, steals, like he was a defensive player. 
Um, that corner three. He was a stat sheet filler. He did everything, and he did everything well. There were no real no weaknesses in his game at all. He had a good five seasons where he hovered around 19 to 20 points or so while getting rebounds and blocks and steals. Yeah, he was – we uh, we've been mentioning this with a lot of the guys who played in that era, but he was he was absolute money in fantasy basketball. If you had Marion on your team, you were golden. He did everything. He was he scored efficiently. He hit some uh, some threes. He defended. He got you blocks. He got you steals. He averaged twenty points. He was a a superstar who I think was was a bit of an overlooked superstar because that team was really loaded and uh, there were always people who were like well Nash is the MVP Nash is the, it's Nash's team or uh, Amari's a better player um, I thought that Marion was a better player than Amari it's really nitpicking is they were both fantastic but I guess I love everything about Sean Marion injury for me with Amari is like what keeps him off the list yeah uh, and, uh, and that's uh, and that's fair and you know, Marion was there for a long time. Like he, he was there for nine years. He kind of became a journeyman after that, became a role player. He, he got a lot of minutes in uh, a couple of other places, but he never got that production again. And so who knows, maybe he was getting a little older. Maybe uh, he was just winding down a little bit, or, or maybe he was a bit of a product of the system. But still, uh, I was pretty pumped to see that, uh, that Marion pick there. And to see him get some love because I really struggled with that and uh, and thought about taking him. Moving from uh, from Phoenix to Sacramento, this one brings in you know, history of other franchises as well, uh, as they were in Cincinnati uh, before they moved to to Sacramento. So we're going to have some names probably from the Cincinnati time there. But this is another one that we almost agreed on. I'm the one outlier for the fourth pick, but we all had Oscar Robertson. We all had Mitch Richmond. We all had Chris Weber. So Oscar really just goes without saying when you're thinking the best players to ever play the game, if Robertson's not in your top 10, he's damn close. He's 11 or 12. His time there in Cincinnati, he was a 10-time All-Star in 10 years, 10-time All-NBA, averaged close to a triple-double, 29, 10, and 9. Up until very recently when Westbrook did it, he was the last player to average a triple-double. Just the best of the best to ever play the game in any era, whether it's back then, now, whenever. And then with a couple of guys who we have a little bit more hands-on experience watching, uh, we went with Chris Weber and, uh, and Mitch Richmond. I wanted to talk about Mitch Richmond a little bit because he's someone who we see kind of forgotten kind of disrespected on with modern fans and it's it's not because they think he was bad necessarily or he was overrated or anything it's just because he didn't have that star power but when he was in sacramento played seven years he was a six-time all-star five-time all-nba 23 points per game he was a superstar level player who didn't have the superstar aura to him and he also had some time in, uh, in Golden State before he came to Sacramento uh, where he was scoring in the, in the 20s per game. Uh, but he averaged 21 for his career, and he averaged 23 in Sacramento. And uh, this guy was uh, just one of the, the best scorers of, of that generation and went to six straight All-Star games. Adam, I know you remember Richmond. Was he as easy a pick for you as he was for me? 
Yes, he, he definitely was. My actual, one of my first memories of card collecting was when I got these, I think it was made by Hoops, and there were these little fold brochure cards, and they came in like card size, but they were actually like a little pamphlet actually that had like, you know, a little story about the player, you know, a little more detailed information and, you know, obviously stats and everything. And in the Mitch Richmond one, it said that his, you know, Michael Jordan's favorite player in the NBA was Mitch Richmond. That was one of the, the quotes wow. in there. And then that kind of got me to like, wow, okay, let me, let me kind of follow this Mitch Richmond guy. And, you know, since then it was just, you know, he was a, just an automatic score for Sacramento. Like I used to hate watching old Celtic games against Mitch Richmond because he would always light us up. Um, I was so glad he was with Sacramento. So when we played them twice a year. Right. And it sucks because he never really had any success until he, you know, his last season with the Lakers when he won a championship with them. Right. Um, Team success and, you know, going you know, I, I felt like he was definitely a player if there was other talent around him that they could have did some damage if he ever got to the playoffs in his prime, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it was funny that you said that mentioned early memories of, uh, of Richmond because one of my earliest memories involves Mitch Richmond. Uh, so the first Celtics game I ever went to, the first NBA game I ever went to, was in 1990. And I believe it was 1990. And Mitch Richmond actually played for the Warriors in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Manute Bolt hit a three, so that was fun. And he, Mitch Richmond, I guess, pulled up the box score for that. He had 26 in that game. Uh, was 10 for 10 from the line. So yeah. uh, we we got early memories of Mitch Richmond, which is you know interesting. Uh, even though the, the 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 one I have doesn't count for for this because it was with uh, Golden State. And uh, then Trey, uh, Chris Weber was the the other unanimous one. Uh, Tell me about your, your thought process behind Chris Weber. I mean, when you think about the Sacramento Kings, you think about C-Web. Uh, I mean, he played seven seasons there. He's a four-time All-Star, averaged 24 game there. Took yeah. them pretty far. He did. He did. Awesome. They, w- they went deep a couple of times. They were some really good teams. And he was a double-double every night when he was with them. Those teams were, were championship quality, uh, but just – they existed at the same time as the, as the Lakers when they had Kobe and Shaq. So they ended up not being able to, to get it done. But those were teams that, uh, that were very, very good. And Chris Weber was their best player and uh, really was carrying the load for that team. Who was your fourth guy, Trey? So I just threw DeMarcus Cousins on there. Love me some boogie. Like three of the other guys on the list, he played seven seasons. Well, no, two of the other guys on the list because he's one of them. But um, he played seven seasons, uh, made the All-Star three times. And pretty much for the modern guys or, you know, the kids, when you think of Sacramento, you, you should think of Boogie. He was it for them for, for a while. When they were really bad, but he wasn't. Not even close. He was, he was great. The hard part about kind of picking Boogie and even just picking a Kings top four in general is that it's kind of similar to the Clippers in that, you know, they never really had any franchise guys that, you know, probably after Chris Weber right. to, to build around. And before Chris Weber, it was Richmond. And if it wasn't other than Richmond, it was freaking Oscar Robinson, I think. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. There, there's not a rich history there, really. And, and actually, I had, I think I was contemplating 
put in your guy, Mark, that you put at your fourth as my fourth instead, but I also stuck with Boogie. Yeah, I went with uh, with Pager. I actually have to give a shout out and an honorable mention to uh, another old school player, uh, Jack Twyman, who's a Hall of Famer. He made his NBA debut on November 5th, 1955, and was a six-time All-Star. Why is that day significant? Because that's the day Doc Brown invented time travel. So I should probably retroactively put him on my list just for that reason. But Peja's on the, uh, on the Google Sheet, so we're sticking with Peja. Eight seasons there, three-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, a career 40% shooter from three. Uh, he's a player who, despite his uh, relevant greatness, a relative great li- greatness uh, at that time, I think would probably be a better player in the league if he played now. Uh, but he was you know, the number two on that team with Weber and uh, they came you know, damn close to, to winning everything. And you know, he was, he was a big reason why, and he's connected to Sacramento more so than he's connected to the Hornets where he also played and had some, uh, some success. So Peja I went with, but it was, it was tough because as good as he is, for him to be the fourth best guy on a team that's been around for as long as they have, or to be in consideration from that, it kind of speaks to how, you know, how the talent dries up pretty quickly. You know, when you have just a, a couple of, uh, of names to pick from. That was a nice way for you to say that. Yeah. 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 They suck. Okay. <laughs> um, but so from Sacramento to really the, is it fair to say the exact opposite of Sacramento? Yeah. Um, and we'll uh, we'll call it the main event of the evening and of the Western Conference Mount Rushmore's, the Los Angeles Lakers. So this one's easy, right? Cedric Sabalos, Eddie Jones, Nick Van Exel, and Anthony Peeler. Done. We'll see you next time. Um, <laughs> so this one was hard, and it was hard because we're, and we're going to talk about this later. But their second team guys five through eight are probably a top 10 Mount Rushmore. Definitely. I'd say a top 10, maybe a top five. And there are just so many people that you can choose from. And no matter who you pick, like you lose because you're leaving an absolute first ballot undisputed hall of famer off of your list because you only have four spots. So with that being said, we actually agreed on three of them. (laughs) So we all had Magic Johnson. We all had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. We all had Kobe Bryant. It's, it differed a little bit for the fourth one. Two of us had uh, one person. Adam, you were the outlier with, the, uh, with the, th- the fourth guy. But I think I want to attack this a little bit differently. And uh, we'll start with you, Trey. But the top three, I think we came to pretty easily because we all agreed on it. But did you have anyone who stuck out as your number one for them? For me, it's Kobe, five-time champion for the Lakers, played 20 seasons there. Yeah, playing 20 seasons anywhere is, is just absolutely wild. It's so long. He was there. When the hell did he get drafted? We were in, Adam, we were in, what, eighth grade? Something like that. And, you know, you were a, an adult with a son watching games with you when he retired mm-hmm. or close to it. It's just crazy to think of how long he was there. And he wasn't a guy who just hung on. He was an 18-time All-Star. He went to 18 damn All-Star games, 15 mm-hmm. All-NBA. Like, these are just crazy numbers. 12-time All-Defensive. Like, he's done everything. And 
he's in everybody's just about everybody's top 10 and people are putting him even higher now you know after what happened a couple of months ago you know he's he's creeping into people's top fives now and it's uh uh, it's it's justified to to have him there, whether you you necessarily put him in that spot or not. It's certainly fair to say that on a team that might have the strongest Mount Rushmore, that he is the best Laker ever. So, Adam, we'll throw it over to you for the second spot. Who did you have as uh, number two? Uh, just assuming that Kobe is the number one spot. Man, that this is close, but I have to give the nod to Magic Johnson. And that's only because he spent his whole career there, while Kareem had a few years before um, when he was with Milwaukee. But that's the only reason I give Magic the nod. Again, he spent his whole career there, 13 years, 12-time All-Star, 5-time champion, 3-time MVP, 10-time All-NBA, 2011-7. and seven. The guy was one of the top players in not, not only the Lakers franchise, but in NBA history. Right. During this time in the league, and unfortunately, with his HIV diagnosis, it robbed us of I think about three or four years of his prime. Still, and those numbers wouldn't even, would have even been more gaudy than they are now. Right. So just in again taking nothing away from Kareem, who's obviously again one of the scoring champ in the league. But I think just because Magic spent his whole career there, again, it kind of gave basketball that boost that it needed right. from the drug era that it came from and made basketball one of the best sports in the world. Yeah, it did. And he really grew the game. Him and Bird took it from NBA Finals on tape delay to having it teed up for Michael Jordan to then transition into the explosion of what the NBA was in the 90s and then internationally years later. So that doesn't start without Magic Johnson and without Larry Bird. And uh, it's it's really a 50-50 for Magic Bird on that influence. and. Trey, for the next person that we had unanimously was Kareem. He could be three, could be two. Where did you have Kareem? Do you have it as a toss-up? Do you have it clearly him two or three? Well, I mean, I think when you think about the Lakers, Magic Johnson resonates, that name resonates more with a lot of people than Kareem. Kareem did play one more season than Magic. They both won five NBA championships. Kareem was like the leading scorer what, 11 times for the Lakers, mm-hmm. um, probably 11 straight. But it's very close between him and Magic Johnson. So sure. giving him third, it's nothing. I mean, it's third, but you're still on the podium. And the, the competition is, uh, is just the absolute toughest that it could be for really any of these franchises. And uh, I think I agree with both of you where you think of Lakers, you think Magic before you think Kareem just because Kareem had a lot of success with Milwaukee, right? He won two scoring titles there. He was an all-star every year he was there. He won a championship there. So there are going to be people, probably mostly Bucks fans, but there are going to be people who picture him as a Milwaukee Buck and not as a Laker. And when you're going through this and, and picking from the, the Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore's, little things like that are, are going to be what gives someone an edge, but it's really tight. I agree. And it's a great conversation to have because there's, there's no wrong answer. So you, there's a very, very slight chance that, that we're going to say something stupid. I feel like guards get the upper hand most of the time anyway, because they do flashy things. So naturally, you know, magic, everybody loved magic. Everybody loved Kobe. Right. And Kareem is in, third on the list. In modern day, 
yes, I, I definitely agree with that. When Kareem was at his peak, like it was a big man's game. They used to draft or or pick up guys who who were seven feet who who weren't very good or who were adequate uh, because they used to always say you can't teach height and they used to say a jump shooting team can't win a championship uh, and we saw how that much how how that has changed over the last you know, decade or so so. Uh, it used to be a, a, a big man's game. So Kareem, I think it, it might be generational. If you ask people who grew up watching Kareem, especially in his early days, they might associate Kareem more uh, or, or put Kareem higher up than the guard because they just kind of have that affinity for the, for the dominant big man, which you know Kareem was like the dominant big man of, uh, of that time. And then for our fourth pick, we, here's where we kind of differed. Adam, who did you pick for your fourth? So I kind of went against the green who you guys had. I put Elgin Baylor in there and it was, it was tough to, um, to put him above obviously Jerry West, the logo, Shaq, even George Mike and guys like that. But I thought Elgin Baylor, just the skill level he exhibited back when he was playing 14 years, 11 time all-star, 10 time All-NBA. His career averages were 27 and 14 after and that's including his last two seasons of the league where he barely played because of he unsuccessfully recovered from was recovering from a knee injury but just his dominance that he played when he was healthy before his injury he was just i would i would arguably say he was the number one option the scoring option when Jerry West even when Jerry West was there was that Jerry West might have been a better all-around player but Elgin Baylor was getting buckets on the offensive end like the crazy part to me about the Lakers is that none of these guys that we picked was less than a 10-time All-Star. And all of them were at least 10-time NBA, All-NBA, except for Kareem at nine times, which I'm sure if he played one more season with the Lakers earlier on in his career, he would have right. got that. Yeah, I mean, he was an All-NBA guy be- long before he got there. So um, There's almost no wrong answers in who your fourth guy would be. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not so much that you picked a guy who shouldn't be there. It's just that I went with Jerry West and, and Trey, you did too. Uh, and I was looking at it, I was like, damn, how can I leave Elgin Baylor off of anything? And you know, we'll have him captain the second unit, I guess. But you know, Jerry West, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. He's, he was a 14-time All-Star in 14 years, which is just absolutely insane. He averaged 27 per game. He's second on their all-time scoring list behind Kobe. And he's tied for second in points per game. He's actually behind Baylor uh, on that. And uh, he's tied with Shaq. But I think what was the tiebreaker for me, as stupid as this sounds, is the logo thing. Jerry West is the logo of the damn league. So in a way, he's the face of the league. So he's got to be one of the faces of his team. And when you're picking between the greatest players who ever played all on one franchise, things like that kind of come down to be the tiebreaker, you know, at least in, in my mind, because we're looking at aura and stardom and, and impact as well as greatness. When Elgin Baylor, he was, he was an 11 time all-star and that didn't make the cut on mine, which is uh, just, just crazy considering, you know, we put Tony Allen on one of these Mount Rushmore's in the last show. <laughs> oh. But Trey, what gave you the edge yeah, for Jerry West over Baylor? So, like you said about um, Jerry West, he's uh, second in points behind Kobe, which also goes for the playoffs. He averages 29 in the playoffs. Yeah, so he actually performed just a hair better in the playoffs. So that's something for someone who was such a prolific scorer in, uh, in the regular season. Yeah, he just he gets the nod for being 
the logo, I guess. Yeah. It, and like I had said too, it's like when you think of your tiebreakers, you got to go with kind of stuff like that when you have players who are this great all on one franchise and you have to leave someone out. So Elgin Baylor was my fifth. If I could have put a fifth on there, was, was that your fifth trade? Did you go with Shaq? Cause you had seen him a little more. I was going to say, first off Mount Rushmore. I think we're at a point where we have more than four important presidents. So I don't know what they're going to do about that, but they could stand to add a fifth face to it. <laughs> there you go. And, and that gets Baylor in. Or does it get Baylor in or does it get someone else for you? See, I feel like I might want to go Shaq. Okay. But I know he was there for less time, but he did win a few championships there. Yeah, and he was a superstar when the Lakers were down for a while before he got there. He wasn't there as, as long as, as these other guys and he wasn't a career Laker, which I think hurts him when we're looking at the level of player that we have on this list. But Shaq is, I had Baylor, but then I, I thought about Shaq. I thought about Mike and because like we didn't even talk about him at all. I mean, and who the hell has seen him? He played in the infancy of the league, but he was the first NBA superstar, you know, had rules changed because of him and was the reason why they won five championships in in Minnesota that the Los Angeles Lakers had then claimed in the early 2000s so they could try to catch the Celtics. Had to throw that in because it's accurate. Look it up. But anything else in the Lakers uh, before we close? No, that's just, I think that it goes without saying that the best foursome out of the specific division is definitely the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, yeah, that's your go-to question. You caught us off guard with it, and oddly enough, I forgot you were going to ask it again. So we're three for three, but this one's easy. Lakers, Dre, Lakers, no disagreement. Lakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, so. you know, the Warriors to their top two might compete, but uh, yeah, it's before, it's not. You got you got four top ten players with <laughs> with the damn Lakers potentially. <laughs> So, uh, so that one's, uh, that one's easy, but so, so that'll do it for the Pacific division and for the Western conference. We'll be back next time and uh, we'll dive into the Eastern conference. We'll get started with that. And you can uh, go back in the archives, listen to the other Mount Rushmore's. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at section five, and uh, you can find all of us individually on there as well. Links in the bio. I'm at mfury38, trades at what Trey says, and Adam is at a lesco underscore NBA. I think there's a 617 in there somewhere, uh, but you'll be able to find it. And uh, that'll do it, and we'll see you next time.